It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 421 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, November 22nd. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. I'm sure you're listening to this on a different day where you're not kicking Canada's ass at Thanksgiving. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together neatly organized for your listening pleasure on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. A fantastic resource for the local perspective on all of the teams around the league that you are interested in and more, even the ones you're not interested in. They have podcasts for those, too. Uh, And it's great. You get the local perspectives, the local angles. You get a nice little daily 25-minute snippet of what's going on with that team each day. It's perfect. It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And uh, please, if you find a show on the network that you like, make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. It is very, very helpful for rankings and algorithms and all of that stuff and uh, makes us feel pretty good too. So thank you for doing that in advance. We have so many reviews on the Lockdown Raptors page right now. We are kicking everyone else's asses on the network. Let's keep kicking ass. Keep adding those those reviews. They make me feel good, and they make us look good, and uh, they put us up in the rankings where people can discover the show, and we can get more listeners to leave more ratings and reviews. It's just a big cycle, and it's, uh, it's all because of you guys. So thank you in advance, or thank you if you already have left a review. It's very, very nice. All right, on today's show, I'm joined by... A guy who's going to be joining me for a live version of this podcast next Tuesday, which I suppose I should have promoted off the top, but we can get into it in a sec. Uh, it's Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. Today is very much an indoors day for me. <laughs> uh, during the winter, I prefer to go into hibernation mode, and here we are, staying in. See, I like the winter. I like the cold. It's good. The hot is bad. I like to be inside all summer because the summer weather is disgusting and makes me melt. Uh, and you can always wear more layers when it's cold, so it's totally fine for me. And it's supposed to get nicer over the weekend, so I'm not complaining. It's all good. Um, Vivek, you are going to be joining me, as I, as I alluded to, for a live podcast next Tuesday from Odds the Bar in Hamilton. It's at 164 James Street South if you want to come on out. It's right near the Go Bus Terminal, so you can get there from Toronto, Mississauga, Burlington, Oakville, wherever you want to come from. It's right there, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Are you excited? Are you ready for the live podcast? Yeah, I'm very excited. Never done a live pod before. Um, so looking forward to that. Obviously looking forward to watching that game in Hamilton against the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes. Who are falling out. So it'll be a clash of, you know, the top teams in each conference right now. That's insane. I didn't even think about that. Wow. <laughs> Shouts to the Grizzlies, man. They, I, Why would anyone ever bet against them healthy? I mean, I guess the question is whether or not they actually stay healthy, but... God, they're they're awesome. And shouts to J.B. Bickerstaff. That guy gets a lot of shit. Apparently he's doing a pretty good job, so shouts to him too. 
Um, we're not here to talk about the Grizzlies just yet. We're going to be doing that next Tuesday. Also joining me and Vivek on the live podcast is going to be Kelsey O'Brien of Raptors HQ. She does our culture watch. She does a lot of great stuff for our site. Uh, you probably know her from the internet. If you don't, follow her at Kelsey underscore lately. And she's going to be there. She's going to join me for a Q&A part after Vivek and I give out first quarter awards for the Raptors. So uh, make sure you come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of room at the bar. Their food is fantastic. Seriously, their food's ridiculous for a sports bar. It's insane. So uh, come on out. Odds Bar at 164 James Street South. And the promotion of that will end, at least for today. We'll get back to that tomorrow. Um, we're going to talk about the games that have happened over the last two days. We missed yesterday's episode. Apologies for that. Just been kind of busy and uh, schedule all over the place. But we uh, are, are back today. And the Raptors have two wins in the book since we last talked. They beat the Orlando Magic 93-91 on a last-second shot by Danny Green on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, they went in and kicked the piss out of the Atlanta Hawks, who uh, are not very good, as it turns out. They are extremely bad. Vivek... I'll let you kind of steer the conversation here. Pick a takeaway from either of the last two games, or maybe both games together, that you would like to discuss further here. Um, the biggest takeaway, I think, for me is one, I, the stuff that Danny Green talked about post-game and just staying shot ready. You know, he struggled through that Orlando game. Yeah. Um, shooting ball, even though relatively he's still shooting better than everyone else. Um but I thought it was interesting for him to say after the game that, you know, he's been working at it for 10 years to, you know, not let uh, the shot before affect the next shot. And he feels like he's gotten to that point where it doesn't. And you could just see um, the framework of the team coming together on that final play. You look at Nick Nurse uh, putting that play with multiple options uh, coming into it. You look at Kyle Lowry uh, taking the inbounds and, recognizing that Danny Green had space, Serge Ibaka setting a great screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at Danny Green, even before that, he said he communicated with Kyle Lowry uh, that, you know, hey, they're probably going to come out hard at me uh, at the three-point line, so when I cut to the basket, I might have some room. Um, and then you look at Kawhi and how excited he was for his teammate to hit a game winner. And yeah. those are the little things that I think that, that can bring the team together. Um even more so than they, they've already looked uh, with the best record in the league so far. Um, so th- those are the, that, that, that was probably my biggest takeaway from the Orlando game, uh, just the way that all came together. Um, obviously, I like the way uh, the Magic made a game of it in the third quarter and the defense just completely uh, evaporating, but uh, the way it finished off was nice. Uh, the Atlanta game, uh, I don't think there's any takeaway besides Kyle Lowry just going uh, <laughs> halo all over them <laughs> yeah um, yeah when he gets like that uh it, it was funny because you know you look at the start of the game and both teams were missing i think it was the first three and a half minutes where no one made a field goal and all of a sudden kyle was sort of like i've had enough of this uh goes and makes a tough two then he makes a three then he gets his uh, teammates involved and before you know it he finishes the night with 21 points 17 assists and 12 rebounds um, which was still not enough to outshine Vince Carter's 25K moment, which was awesome. <laughs> we'll get to the 25K moment in a second. I have a question I want to add on top of that because it was all very awesome. Um, but yeah, Kyle Lowry was incredible against the Hawks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, to quickly touch on the Orlando game, yeah, I, I think it looked really nice at the end there. It was nice that the that we saw Nick Nurse kind of fl- get to flex his late-game chops. It feels like that's a play that they they used to run for DeMar DeRozan all the time, if I'm not mistaken, or it looks like something along the lines of that. Um, but obviously last year's offense was very much Nick Nurse orchestrated, so it makes sense that you'd see some overlap there. And I do think after a couple games where the crunch time sort of play calling or lack thereof has been kind of a bit of point of contention. I I think it was nice to see in that situation with very little time on the clock, they were able to draw something up very quick that could get them a look like that. And it didn't have to be to Kawhi Leonard or Kyle Lowry. Like they were able to use Danny Green and have those, their other guys be decoys or in the case of Kyle be a really, really damn good inbounder. Uh, Like what a pass he threw there too. You can't really sleep on how good that pass was to get that game winner off. So um, yeah, very nice to see that. Also, I think it's probably a good thing, really, in the grand scheme of things. I know it doesn't look pretty to beat the Magic by two, especially after losing three in a row last week, but I don't think it's, like, the worst thing in the world to have close games, right? And this was a thing that happened with the Raptors last season, was that they, like, would go on these, like, month-long streaks where they would just blow the shit out of every team they played, and there were no close games to be had whatsoever. And you have to figure, like, as with anything... You probably get a little rusty when it comes to that late game execution stuff if you're only doing it once a month. So for the the fact that there have been you know three or four crunch time games where it's come down to the wire the last few weeks here or the last couple weeks, last four or five games really, I think that's actually probably a good thing overall uh, in terms of trying to hone the craft. And like you get the win, that's nice. If you lose, like at least you got to get to that point where you get to try some stuff out and you make mistakes and wins and lessons, baby. Um, as far as the Hawks game goes, yeah, Kyle was incredible. Also. It also has helped me spawn a take I think I have that, I, th- I, I don't know, maybe this is just me like reaching for takes, but do the Raptors have the best 1-2-3 front court in the NBA right now? Like, Pascal Siakam is just walking into 20-point games at this point. Jonas has been insanely efficient when he's played. It was nice to see him get some extended run last night to put up that 24-13. and 13. Nice to see him get a start. Uh, and even a bucket off the bench, just 21 minutes, 8-11, of 11, 19 points, 9 boards. He's rebounding really well. Like... I know there's maybe like front courts with more talent, but as as far as like going three deep is concerned, and just the way each guy's playing in their specific roles, I can't really think of a better sort of three headed monster. I mean, I I guess the New Orleans team is like the the Davis Randall Miritich one is probably the answer here, but I don't know. Those three guys have like blown my expectations out of the water because this was supposed to be like a weakness for the team. Yeah, no, I I, I was gonna say. I mean, the fact that you were comparing them to Davis. Miritich and Randall is a compliment in itself. Um, I don't think we would have made that comparison at all last year. So, mm-hmm. um, well, this is the fact that Randall wasn't on the Pelicans. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Omar uh, Sheik. Uh, you don't quite fall into the, 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 the big three. <laughs> but, but yeah, you look at where Siakam was last year. Um, you look at where Ibaka was last year. And now I think you have a valid point where you look at those three guys and they would probably fancy their chances going up against anyone. Um, I'm trying to think of other potential front courts. Like you said, I think the key is that uh, the third guy is also so effective, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can look at the Pistons and look at Drummond and Blake uh, Griffin, but uh, who's the third guy after that? Right? John Luer. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, so, I mean, 
uh, who else do you, do do you consider in there? You know, you can maybe uh, like Jokic, Millsap, and whoever the Nuggets are using as their backups, like Plumlee. Right. Yeah. And then I guess as you, uh, you probably look at you know Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, um, when they go small, right? Yeah. Uh, but the difference so, being there is that the Raptors trio likes each other. Correct. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I think in terms of uh, and like if there were a three on three tournament, yeah, you you can have Siakam handle the rock up top. You have Ibaka uh, who can pick and pop. You have JV that can get it inside. So yeah, they they would probably be very very competitive in a three on three bigs only tournament in the NBA. Yeah, Ooh, Maybe that's I, something they need to look at for the All Star weekend. That sounds like way better than like when they played horse or like most of the all-star stuff to be honest like that could be the new shooting stars is just three on three big man games i would oh man all right you you sold me it didn't take much selling um (laughs) uh yeah kyle lowry got back on track as well against the hawks he had been kind of having a rough go shooting wise i mean what do you think is like was the cause for that I, i think it's probably not really anything to be too concerned about kyle has these streaks sometimes and honestly the streak he's been on lately kind of resembles what he was doing at the start of last season before he got ungodly hot. It's just kind of been inverse this year where he started off just shooting everything and just setting fire to everybody. Um, And uh, his slowdown kind of came recently. Do you like chalk that up to workload? Like, what do you think it is with Kyle that that kind of, kind of caused that little spell or is it just a little spell that we shouldn't be too worried about? I think it's just something where uh, it's just a question of rhythm. I think after Kyle got off to that really hot start, you saw teams pay a lot more attention to him and sort of dare Ibaka to get going. Um, And that's what he did. Kyle just, you know, he's a smart basketball player. He's going to make the right play. So he just kept feeding Ibaka, and Ibaka would uh, score, you know, pretty much not miss a field goal all week uh, as he did in that West Coast road trip. Um, and so I think just something like that can take a guy out of rhythm where he's maybe not used to shooting the ball as much or in situations where he'd usually be able to get a shot off. Um, and so maybe it took a little bit to get back into that. And maybe, you know, once he entered this funk, teams sort of weren't as aggressive with him. And so he's been getting a bit more room now. Um, and maybe he's just looking for it a bit more now as well, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to racking up those assists as he did against Atlanta, I think. He's also cognizant of the fact that for the Raptors to be at their best, he's also got to be able to uh, get his points. So, you know, th- those are early things that you figure out uh, and you continually learn over the course of the season. Um, and obviously, you'd much rather have it happen in the first 20 games than the last sort of 10 or whatever when you're like, oh my God, the playoffs are here. Now mm-hmm. what? I wonder if there is, or someone smarter than me should probably come up with this stat. Um, I, like, I'd like to see some sort of metric that measures the quality of shot that a guy creates with his passing. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. it feels like every pass Kyle throws, it's to a perfectly situated role man with an advantage to, to press, or it's to a wide-open shooter in the corner. Uh, like, It really does feel like he's the assists he's getting 
he's just setting up such easy looks for for the Raptors guys he's playing with, in particular Jonas and Serge. I mean, the pick and roll chemistry there has been fantastic, and you know that's always kind of been a sore spot in years past. Of, of can him and Jonas and him and Serge really kind of connect? I think Serge last year was definitely an issue. I think Jonas and, and Kyle kind of figured it out last year the pick and roll because they kind of went away from having Jonas post up all the time and just made him a pick and roll threat mostly, and that's kind of yeah. how he worked last night, and it was deadly effective and. The little pocket passes, man, like they're just and they're putting he's putting them into spots where it's not like a burden for the player to go down and reach the ball and have to like, you know, take a little extra half second to try to get their shot off. It's like bounce passes into the shooting pocket for a big man who's about to put up a floater. It's uh, it's really impressive. Like, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, so I, I think the closest thing to that would be I think John Schumann has a stat where he's able to track um, how many assists uh, like a percentage of the assists are you know paint twos corner threes above right. the break threes um so i think that would be the closest thing i remember last season uh, the first half of the season uh damar had like some ridiculous number where it was like 70 percent or 75 percent of his assists were basically paint twos and corner threes or um well not corner threes but just threes in general so mm-hmm. so that sort of negates his inability to shoot the three right yeah um but yeah, I think we're seeing the same thing from Kyle this season, um, where now because he's handling the ball more, not playing off to Rosen, he's able to make the decision uh, instead. Um, and obviously, he's well equipped to do that. Um, and then, yeah, I think one of the things maybe that I uh, touched on uh, in my story about uh, Kyle Lowry just racking up the assist this season is the way he's distributing the ball like you look at I looked at um, last season uh, and so it was about 70% of his passes were going to three guys mm-hmm. um, yeah so I've got it right here 69.6% of his 57 passes were going to DeRozan Valanciunas and Ibaka mm-hmm. um, and the trio shot 46.5% on twos and 34.8% on threes. And they obviously between those three last season, they weren't shooting threes that much anyway. Um, but now you've got pretty much the same amount of passes going to four different guys. So you've got Kawhi, Siakam, Ibaka, and Danny Green. Yeah. Uh, 70% of his passes are going to them. So it's getting more well spread. And those guys are shooting 54% as opposed to the 46% from last year. And they're hitting on 38% uh, on more threes. Mm-hmm. So if that just ramps up the efficiency of the offense and obviously the threat of one more guy, and then you throw in JV coming off the bench, um, I think this lends to potentially a more... I mean, it sustained itself last year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I think this just makes it even more of a threat in the playoffs. The fact that you've got now Siakam in the mix as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm guessing you're currently quoting from your athletic story about how Kyle's racking up all these damn assists. Am I correct? Correct. Make sure you read that. Subscribe to The Athletic. Read Vivek. <laughs> uh, if you're not going to promote yourself, I sure as hell will. 
Um, <laughs> we're going to continue this conversation in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about the Locked On Podcast Network social media feeds, Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you're using those and following Locked On NBA Net on both Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, it's great. It's a centralized feed for all of the hosts on the both the NFL and NBA Network. So if you don't want to go around and follow every single one of them, just hit the follow button on this account and you're going to get all of the tweets, basketball-related or otherwise, from the hosts of the Locked On Podcast Network on the NBA and NFL sides into one feed. So it's just, it's very clean. You're going to get a lot of stuff during games and breaking news stuff. So you just have like a centralized sort of stream of, of tweets coming through. Uh, and there are a lot of smarter people on the network than I am. And they have good, smart tweets about basketball. I mostly just tweet gross or uh, dumb jokes. Um, and uh, so I'm probably adding the least amount to the, the value of this feed as some other people. But like, for example, Tony East or Nick Angstadt or Adam Morris. They're always tweeting very interesting stats about their teams. And if you want that stuff, just mainline to you. Follow Locked on NBA Net on Twitter. And then on Instagram as well, we're doing little snippets of the biggest podcasts that we do. A lot of the Ben Gulliver episodes, for example, on Locked on NBA are getting snippeted and uh, put into little clips. And it's uh, very digestible. And you can follow and, and listen to the full podcast as well through that and links on the and links in the bio or whatever the hell how it works on Instagram. It's a very convoluted way it works to go and share content on there. Um, but yeah, Locked on NBA and Locked on NFL Net on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow them. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's uh, continue on with our talk about Vince Carter. Because Vince Carter did a cool-ass thing last night. He gunned away in the final minute of the game. He was 13 points away from 25,000 for his career. And he went and got 14 points in the game, finishing it off with a dunk after a missed fadeaway jumper that uh, would have not been the first time that a missed fadeaway left Vince Carter one point short. Oh, man. Uh... I don't know. This was really goddamn cool. Did you enjoy this, or were you like Ryan Wolstat? Hi, Waz. You're not listening, but were you like Ryan Wolstat being a wet blanket for the whole thing? Yeah, I, don't, I did not catch on to Wolstat's reaction to this, but uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um, he obviously wanted to get it against the Raptors because the Raptors mean something to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting that they even call timeouts in garbage time to run a play for him. Um, <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> Although the, uh, the the cop, Mike Budenholzer, probably wouldn't have done that. So, shouts to Lloyd Pierce. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, could just, you could just see that the Raptors didn't seem to care and all, all powered events. I mean, obviously, that's a big moment for him to get to 25K. Uh, what is it, one of 22 players now to do it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's obviously a special moment. And then to get it with a dunk right before the buzzer, um, I think that made it just perfect. Uh, it was funny because um, I, I was at the Sportsnet office and we were like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Because we'd have to get like the alert out and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everyone was just happy for him when it happened. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously I think we're getting to a stage or we were past that stage where people are sort of hold that 
um, angst against him for leaving. Um, and it's good. We can move on from that and we can be in a happy place because the Raptors are in a happy place. Vince is obviously setting off into the sunset and everyone is in a good place. So it makes it easier to enjoy these things. Couple of things. It's significantly cooler that he did it on a dunk than he than it would have been had he got the three free throws from that reviewed play. Uh, people were very mad that he uh, didn't get three free throws there because it would have got him to if he made all three, it would have got him to thirteen points. Uh, I was sitting right. there like I- I'm pretty sure I called exactly what happened, and I'm very glad that I did because that was so much preferable to him just getting it on a free throw. It would have been super lame. Um, the dunk was great. It's insane that he can still dunk at 41 and let alone like get up and have some hops behind it. And also a little fitting and a little poetic and a little, you know, makes me want to have a little tear jerk action uh, when he, because the person who tried to block the dunk is a Canadian, Chris Boucher. So a little symbolism there of Vince uh, sort of passing on the love of basketball to a country and uh, the, the wave of NBA players has come as a result, not directly as a result. Obviously the Raptors existing is a big reason for that too. And had Vince not played for the Raptors and the Raptors still existed, I'm sure there's going to be a wave of Canadian talent at some point, but it's pretty hard not to credit Vince with a lot of the success that Canadian basketball players have had of late. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty damn cool. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for late game shenanigans like that. If you're the Atlanta Hawks, like, what the hell else do you have to play for, right? Like, this is, you play yeah. for garbage time milestones, really. <laughs> like, yeah. There's nothing else. So I'm glad they sold out to get him that, uh, and I'm glad the Raptors kind of abided it. I know Jordan Lloyd defended the hell out of uh, Vince on that last play where he got fouled. Um, so maybe he hadn't been given, like, the, the, the heads up on what was going down, but uh, glad the Raptors didn't defend too, too hard for that. It was It was pretty cool to see. Um, my question to you. I think you. it kind of shows how far the Raptors have come as well. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at these other teams now coming into the Raptors building or, you know, when they play the Raptors in their own building. I mean, they have some pretty big celebrations if they get the win. And yeah. the Raptors have a much bigger picture in mind. You look at, you know, the way Dwayne Casey celebrated when he uh, beat the Raptors in Toronto. I mean,. Let's face it, that's probably going to be his biggest moment of the season, yeah. all due respect. So, um, yeah, I just don't think uh, anyone should really be offended by him maybe chasing that 25K a little bit. I think I'd, I'd rather have him do it against us in a game that the, the Raptors had enough about anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird, weird how it's kind of turned on its head, because remember back... When the Raptors beat the Bulls, for example, in '96, like that was yeah, the that exactly. was the celebration they had. Yeah. Now they're not the Bulls, but they're pretty damn good. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice little change of reversal of fortune. Uh, touching on the late game there, though, one one thing that I guess did come up last night that we didn't talk about yet. Uh, Kyle Lowry came into the game after the the lead had been dwindled down to like 14 with five minutes left. And Nick Nurse decided to put Kyle back in. And quickly, they staked themselves to, back to a lead, and it was fine. But he got elbowed in the face with, like, four minutes left and was bleeding pretty heavily. He seemed fine. He was in good spirits. He was, like, extremely chipper in the postgame uh, interview with Jack Armstrong. But, I don't know, are you uh, are you concerned at all? This has kind of been a pattern where Nick Nurse has kind of held the starters in a little bit long it's an easy thing to nitpick for nitpickers, so I understand why it's something that's being jumped on. Is it that big a deal that Kyle came in? He still only finished the game with like 32 minutes played, I believe. Um, right. And like ultimately, it seems like he's going to be fine from the nose thing, getting hit in the face. But I don't know. Where are you at with like the 
like the the alarm bells when a guy comes in late in the game to try to you know maintain what was still a pretty big lead. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't like that Nurse had to bring him in, but I think that's the point. Nurse said himself that I didn't like that I had to bring Kyle back either. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that's a bit of a kick in the ass to the bench guys to say, hey, like you can't have these starters keep building up these 15, 20 point leads and then just let it, uh, you know, let go of the rope. Um, so they've got to do a better job. They've got to figure it out. I mean, you know, like you said, we're coming up on a quarter mark of the season. Um, you're getting closer to that point where you don't say, oh, you know, it's still early. It's still early. Um, you've got to sort of start finding a rhythm and getting back into the swing of things. Um, and obviously the depth hurts right now with missing Norm and missing CJ and missing OG. Um, but yeah, I don't. If if this was something sort of saying, hey, you know, you guys need a bit of a kick in the ass right now, I don't mind it. Um, obviously, he's been a little unlucky uh, in terms of having Kyle pick up a knock, uh, both in Chicago and now in Atlanta. So um, I think if those two moments don't happen, they probably go unnoticed because. Let's face it, in Chicago, Nurse said the plan was to just have him finish out that third quarter and then he was going to sit the entire fourth. Yeah. Uh, and that was also more about getting Kyle back in a shooting rhythm and getting him some shots. Um, so there is a method to the mad- madness that Nurse is taking right now. Um, it's not like he's just blind, like, you know, he's just panicking and saying, oh no, um, th- this is something I have to do. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think there's a big picture plan here. Um, I think Kyle will get his rest when he needs it. You can see that, you know, it, it's sort of been uh, playing on Nurse's mind. He's discussed it a couple of times where, you know, if, if he needs a rest, he'll sort of figure it out. He, he says he's been talking to Kyle about how his body's feeling. So I'm sure they will figure out what's best. Yeah, and look, man, it's still early, and there's still going to be plenty of opportunity to rest Kyle down the road. And I'm not like going to be a minute's truther just yet if it gets to the point later in the season where maybe he's his workload's a little bit high then maybe you get a little bit concerned but i think it worked so well and nick nurse was here he saw it firsthand how well it worked to keep lowry fresh for the playoffs by taking his minutes down and her and bringing back his workload a little bit and honestly i think as fred van vliet comes into form which i think he's starting to a little bit he was 5 of 11 last night had a rough start kind of finished with a, a little bit of shot making which was nice to see um, and as DeLon Wright hopefully kind of gets back to, to speed too, like those two being well below what they were last year, I think is probably playing into this as well, where Kyle just has to carry more of the playmaking and point guarding duties. And that is probably going to lead to him obviously having a higher workload and maybe a little bit more wear and tear on him early in the season. But seasons long, Fred had a pretty rough start last year and it was right around this time where he kind of really hit his stride too. So maybe that's something we can expect as he works his way back from this toe injury. And I yeah. do think as like Kawhi becomes a guy who's going to play, I- I'm sure at some point he's going to start playing back-to-backs. I don't think he's going to rest back-to-backs all season long. And as that happens, as Kawhi's available more often, then you can afford to have Kyle sit out at night here and there and kind of you know return the favor a little bit for the load that K- Kyle's been carrying while Kawhi sits. On that yeah. note, the Raptors don't have a back-to-back for a long time. They play every other day for like the next month, essentially, or three weeks at least. I think December 13th or something like that is their next back-to-back. And yeah. so they have like 10 games, I think, that are just one-on, one-off, one-on, one-off. First of all, it seems like a nice little rhythm to get into. If I'm a player, I like that probably. Um, yeah. And But also, have we seen Kawhi sit his last half of a back-to-back? 
Um, I'm gonna say no. I'm yeah. gonna say he he trolls the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> he didn't play against the Lakers. Uh, that so that's the next one, right? They they got the Clippers and the Warriors in that back to back. Yeah. Um. So I I won't be surprised at all if he sits against the Clippers. Um. <laughs> with all the talk that's going on there. Um, answers maybe one or two questions about hugs and then uh, moves on to Golden State. Okay, that's fair. I just It's kind of getting to the time almost where with the Damari Carroll season, which I've been kind of comparing this to a lot, and maybe it's different, I don't know, because I, I think Kawhi has a bit more say in what's going on with him this season and his workload than Damari might have back then, but it was right around mid-December Christmas where I think Damari started to play back-to-backs, if I'm not mistaken and kind of relegated Norm to full-time bench duty. But we'll, yeah. we'll see. Like I, I'm not concerned about it either way because, look, they can win games without Kawhi. I think they've only lost one without him, so they're, they're going to be just fine regardless. But it's uh, it's something to keep an eye on, I suppose. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him start playing back-to-backs because, you know, the, the playoffs are a grind. There are no back-to-backs in the playoffs, obviously, but you'd like to have him up to full speed. And I still think... Kawhi is not quite 100% in terms of conditioning and just like his shooting stroke and stuff like that. He's shooting like 34% from three. You got to wonder if maybe playing more often will help him get back to that level. Um, But I'm sure he will at some point here. He's been really good for the most part, aside from a little bit of shooting woes. So um, yeah, Uh, uh, whether or not we've seen him rest his last half of back-to-back, I'm not sure. But it's just, it's interesting to me because it's so long until they have another one. Like maybe within the next 10 games, he kind of thinks he's at full full speed. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we've kind of got a long time, so I think we can wrap it there. Vivek, anything, cool. any parting shots you want to throw out there, or anything you want to promote? Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, that Danny Green feature, I know that that's been a bit delayed. I, I plugged it last time, but I'll plug it again. I believe it's coming out uh, after the weekend, so you can look out for it then. Um, but yeah, I think it was fun stuff. I had a lot of fun doing it, and thankful to Danny for the time yep. so look out for that for Vice Sports that'll be out and other than that you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob right on uh, and you of course can come see Vivek and myself and Kelsey O'Brien at Odds Bar in Hamilton next Tuesday 164 James Street South it's going to be a fun time. An hour before the tip-off against Memphis, we'll start it up. We'll do uh, first quarter report cards with myself and Vivek, and then Kelsey will come up, and we'll do a little Q&A, and it'll be awesome. So please come on out. If you are in Hamilton from the surrounding area, you just want to come in for the night from, from Toronto, you want to break from the expensive grind of the big city, come to Hamilton where it's uh, a little more a little more affordable. You don't have to pay for parking, or you don't have to pay that much for parking. It's like $2 for parking in most places in Hamilton. Come and do it. It's great. Uh, I live here. It, it owns. Um, speaking of Hamilton, actually, there was a big announcement yesterday that kind of made the rounds, I think, a lot more sort of widespread than anyone involved with it was expecting it would. But Chantal Vallée is the new head coach of the Hamilton Honey Badgers, which is the uh, team in Hamilton for the Canadian Elite Basketball League, which is starting up in May. It's inaugural season. They're one of six teams. You may or may not have heard of this. I might start peppering in a little bit of coverage of this league on the podcast just because I don't really have another outlet to do it with. And, I mean, I have my basketball show on TSN 1150 that I'm going to be doing it on a, a lot of coverage on it for. But it is, uh, you know, it's a part of the fabric of Canadian basketball now. It's going to be very t- deeply entwined with youth sports, as in- in- indicated by the hiring of Chantal Vallée, who was the longtime, is going to remain the longtime head coach of the Windsor Lancers women's basketball team. Um, and there's you know going to be a youth sports combine and draft and all that stuff. So it might interest some people who listen to this podcast. So what I think I'm going to do 
Today there was a media availability for Chantal and I got a 15 or so minute one-on-one with her just to chat about getting the job and sort of the importance and significance of her becoming the first woman to be the head coach and GM of a pro men's team in the world. So I might just post that as a bonus podcast if you want to check that out. And if you're into that kind of thing, I could do more of the CEBL coverage. Their team's like, they're going to be playing like a 10 minute walk from my house. So uh, I'm going to try to have that a little bit more involved because some of the people involved in the league, including John Lashway, uh, who was part of the Raptors' original group of management and getting the Raptors off the ground, uh, they seem to know what they're doing, and they have a, a good vision for the league, and I'm excited about it, and I want to help support it any way I can. So, um, yeah, th- stay tuned for that. I'll have an episode with Chantal Valet where we'll talk for 15 minutes or so, and uh, that'll be up tomorrow or th- today, whenever I feel like it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow me. Also at Locked on Raptors, find every episode there. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, as always, is the best way to support the show. And we'll be, we'll be back again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.